Wasn't that a wonderful special? God is always good, isn't he? I was thinking so many ways God's been good to us this week, and I'm thankful for his blessings. We got a new granddaughter this week. That's a blessing. Have I told you about that in the last 30 minutes? See me after church, and I'll show you a picture anyway. Lacey Kay was born Friday morning, and uh, Caitlin's mom and stepdad are here, dear friends, and I'm glad they're able to be here. I was thinking of Brother Tyra when I came here as a pastor in 1991. Elizabeth, these girls' mother that just played, she was in high school and uh, finishing high school, and God just blesses, doesn't he, to see these girls stand up here and sing, and and uh, Brother Tyra was proud. He's a little bit jealous because he can't sing at all. And, uh, but anyway, uh, we'll let them sing. I want you to open your Bibles again to Matthew 24. My, my voice or throat doesn't bother me. It doesn't hurt me at all. And I uh, just get these allergies as spring. I just want to welcome spring. I'm just glad it's here. And uh, I can put up with this, but um, it doesn't bother me. I apologize if it's uncomfortable for you to listen to me. I'll, uh, I'll not be long today. I, it, it takes about 10 minutes to, for me to go through a cough drop. And I was counting to see how long the sermon was this morning. It looks like five cough drops. That'll do me. Anyway, <laughs> Matthew 24, I want you to look at verse number 36. But of that day, if you have a pencil, I want you to underline two words, that day, that day. The words that day appear in the word of God more than 200 times. That day here is talking about the coming of the Lord. Do you understand that the trumpet of the Lord's going to sound? When it sounds, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. That's not talking about the Methodists. That's talking about the people. <laughs> that's, talking, that's talking about the people that are in the grave. They're going to rise first. We're going to meet them in the air. That day is going to change. Everything that this earth is used to today. And that day appears in the word of God more than 200 times. Most of these that days are events that change the course or direction and even the destination of a person, a place, a nation, and even the world in a single day. It's interesting thought to ponder the difference one day can make. It's helpful to think of the difference a single day can make. So I'm going to talk to you about a few of these that days in the scripture this morning. Heavenly Father, bless the preaching of your word. I pray that you would help me to be able to preach the message. But I don't care about preaching a good sermon or having a good voice as much as I care about the Holy Spirit of God speaking to hearts and you accomplishing your work. That's what I hunger for. That's what I desire. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It was just before 8 a.m. and on a Sunday morning, December 7, 1941, that America was attacked by Japanese forces in Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. Our nation was forced into a world war that it had tried at 
to avoid at all cost. That day will be remembered throughout the days of American history. December 7, 1941. My father was born December 7, 1944. He went to heaven in 1985 and I had a plaque made that hangs outside the door of my office at the church office on Clay's Mill Road. It's a picture of my dad and it gives his birth date. But the engraver made a mistake and he put his birth date being December 7, 1941. And the reason he did is because that day was a day that changed the course of American history and the world. And that just what came to his mind, even though the correct date of December 7, 44 was written, he engraved 41 because that day made a difference. In 1831, Abraham Lincoln went down the Mississippi River on a flatboat trip. When he arrived in New Orleans, there was a crowd gathered. And when he went over to see what it was, he saw firsthand the very first slave auction he had ever seen. That day made such a difference in his mind and in his thinking. His motivation for living that 32 years later, he would sign the Emancipation Proclamation January 1st, 1863. That day made a difference in Abraham Lincoln's life. There are several days as you think of your life that your life was affected in a single day. That day of redemption was a day that changed my life. And those of you that have received Christ as Savior and received the greatest gift ever known to man, and that is a gift of eternal life, the day of redemption made you a new creature in Christ. Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, but ye brethren are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all children of light, and the children of the day were not of the night nor of darkness. I'm glad that I've been made to see by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to take your Bibles and go to the book of Acts in chapter 9. We're going to use our Bibles four or five times this morning. Acts chapter 9. And the Bible begins in verse number 1 by saying, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. He was almost there. He was almost at the place where he would find Christians, men and women, and arrest them and bring them back to Jerusalem. And suddenly, there shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? 
And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said unto him, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. If you read on the rest of the chapter and the next chapter, you'll find a man that began on a journey to Damascus with the authority, the letters in his hand, to arrest anyone that was in that way of Christianity, that he could arrest them and bring them back to Jerusalem. But friend, when he came back to Jerusalem, he did not come back as a persecutor of the Christians. He came back as a child of God himself. That day changed his life. I ask you this morning, have you had that day in your life that you've been set free from your sin and given the gift of eternal life? I'm thankful for that day in my life. More than 50 years ago, my past was changed and that all my sins were forgiven. I was justified just as if I'd never sinned. My present was changed. My purpose in life was different. And my future was changed. I was no longer headed to a devil's hell to pay the wages of my sin. But after that day, on my way to heaven to receive a mansion and to live for all eternity because of that day. You remember that day? Brother Young, you remember that day? Brother Darnell, you remember that day you got saved? Jeremy, that day you remember? Aren't you glad for that day? Whether you plan to trust Christ or Savior or not, that day or not, you heard the gospel that Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sin. And if you would simply accept his payment for your sin, you could be set free. I'm thankful for that day. Then there's that day of revival. Or perhaps it was a day of total surrender in your life. Days of revival are found throughout the word of God. From the time that Jacob came back to Bethel that day to the city of Nineveh that repented of their sin that day to the churches of Asia Minor. We live in a fallen flesh in a world that hates God led by Satan who wants a worship that belongs only to God. We often face failure and a coldness of heart. and We have to be stirred in our faith in God and our love for God. When I was a boy, five years old, not hardly six, I trusted Christ as my Savior. The next few years I would ponder and wonder, what is it that God wants to do in my life? What does God want to do with my life? Have you ever thought of the fact that God has a plan for your life? God has a plan, and that plan is better than any plan that I could ever put together. I pondered and I wondered, what was God's will? I'd driven an old church van home and taken a van load of people home from church on a Sunday night. After I'd taken everyone home, I was headed back home across a big gravel road and I came across what was called the Low Water Bridge. 
was a bridge built that when the floods, flash floods would come, it could go over the bridge, the water could, without taking it out. I'll never forget as I crossed that bridge, I pulled the van over beside the road. It was dark, and I looked up into a star-filled sky. I said, Lord, I don't know what you'd want to do with me, but I want to give myself to you. And I want to do whatever you want me to do, and it doesn't matter. The furthest thing from my mind was missionary in Africa. I thought that was the furthest place I could go. I thought that was the wildest thing I could ever do. Just, just, And I just said, whatever you want me to do, I'm thankful for that day. I came home and I told my dad. I said, Dad, I, I want to talk to you. And we went to his room as we often did. I was glad to go this time. Sometimes I was invited to his room and I did not want to go. <laughs> I was invited to the woodshed. We didn't chop any wood, but he built a fire, I'll tell you for sure. And Dad said, what is it, son? And I said, Dad, I gave my life to God completely tonight. I want God to have my life, my whole life. I want to serve him. I want to make a difference for the cause of Christ. Have you ever had that day in your life that you totally surrendered your life to God. The Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 12 in verse number 43, as Nehemiah had led a group of committed Christians and of God's people back to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall around the city of Jerusalem, the Bible said also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced. For God had made them Rejoice with great joy. The wives also and the children rejoiced so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard afar off. Maybe you haven't thought about this up to the very moment. But maybe this would be that day in your life that you would renew your life committed completely to the cause of Christ. Perhaps this would be that day of revival. My father was saved as a teenager, but he got away from God in his life. I'm thankful for the preacher that kept inviting him to church. He would go to church and my dad said, I think he followed me around and everything I did wrong. He preached against all those things when I went to church. He said, I got mad and said I'd never go back. Two or three weeks later, he'd go back again. He said, the preacher would preach against every sin in his life again. Finally, the day came. He totally surrendered his life to God. My dad went back home to southeast Kentucky and built Bible Baptist Church in Hazard. This coming July will be a 50th anniversary of that day or that time that he started that church. I'm thankful for that day of a total commitment. I would say third of all, that day of his return is coming again. Just as sure as Jesus came, born of a virgin in Bethlehem's manger. Just as sure as they declared that this is the Christ child. Just as sure as the angels rejoiced in heaven. Just as sure as they told the shepherds that this is the Christ child that's been born. And they went to the stable to see for themselves the little baby that was born. That was the Christ child just as sure as he came the first time. He's coming again. Our text passage tells of that day. The day of grace will end. Today's a day of grace. Yes. 
the day of the Holy Spirit working in the hearts of unbelievers to receive Christ as Savior, that day will end. The day of gospel singing and preaching will end when Christ returns. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. And when it returns, there'll be a resurrection of the saved and there'll be a reckoning for the unsaved. A happy day for the saved, but a fearful day for those without Christ. As I again this week saw the pictures and videos of that little country of Ukraine this week, my heart was broken. I, I'm bothered. I, I'm, just, I'm just bothered by what I see. To read yesterday an entire town was wiped off the map. Ah, oh, but friend, the day of judgment is coming to this whole world. Now listen to me. Preachers have been preaching for generations and I preach again the same message they've been preaching. Be ready for that day. Be ready for the return of Christ because when God's people are taken away, the day of grace is going to end. And if you're here this morning, you've never received Christ. You need to trust Christ as your Savior this morning. You're here as a Christian. You're not serving God. You need to get busy today serving Him. Think about it. When the trumpet of God sounds, Christians are going to be missing all over just like that. In the twinkling of an eye, Christians are going to be gone. Can you imagine cars on the highway? Every Christian will be gone. Trains on the rails, Christians will be gone. Airplanes in the sky, Christians will be gone. Buses, all Christians will be gone. In the workplace, every child of God will be taken away immediately. They'll be gone. In the school, in the home, in the hospital, in the nursing home, the Christian is gone at once and the lost will be left behind. I'd be a fraud of a preacher if I didn't tell you that that day is coming and it could come in this very day. If you've not received Christ as your Savior, I'm not trying to impress you today, I'm trying to save you from the destruction that would come by not receiving Christ as your Savior, trust Him today. It's not how good you become. It's not what you accomplish or do for God. It's just saying, Lord, I'm a helpless sinner. There's nothing I can do to help or save myself. I'm calling on you, and I ask you to give me your payment for my sin. He'll give you eternal life. It's a free gift. There's a day of reckoning. Matthew 7, verse number 22, there's a day of reckoning coming. You understand sin that celebrates is going to be punished. You understand that? And that, that, that that's why it doesn't bother me to go against the crowd. I want to do what the book says. A day of reckoning is coming. The Bible says in Luke 17, 31, in that day, he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not be turned back. One of the most sobering things I've ever seen is a courtroom proceeding where a sentence is about to be passed on one who has broken the law. There is no attitude, there is no smart words. 
It is a place of silence, a place of fearful concern, and sometimes a wringing of the hands. There's a day of reckoning coming. There's a day of reckoning coming against the sin of this old world. I close by saying this. There's coming a day of reward. Take your Bibles and go to 2 Timothy 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. There's coming a day of reward. One day, one day can make a difference in our life. One decision can make a difference. Notice what the Bible says in 2 Timothy 4, verse number 8. Henceforth there is laid it for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but to, unto all them also that love his appearing. When I was a little boy, my grandfather on Monday would give me a quarter. Get ready to go to school, I'd stop by their house. I actually stopped for grandma's biscuits. That sermon last week had a profound impact. Grocery stores sold out of flour this past week. Brother Tinhara told me, he said, even in our Yankee house, my wife and I are from North Michigan. My wife went home and fixed cathead biscuits. Revival has begun to sweep this week across our church. I said, do you remember why I use that illustration? He said, yes, I did. I read my Bible too. I'd stop by my grandparents' house in the morning on Monday morning. My grandfather would say, hold your hand out, hold my hand out, he'd put a quarter in my hand. Now a quarter meant something in those days. You could buy a pop and a bag of peanuts for that quarter, drink two ounces of pop, put the peanuts in the pop and drink them like that. Are you with me? Those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, see me after church, I'll explain it to you. He put that quarter in my hand. I like that. I like having that quarter in my pocket. Sometimes I'd carry it all week before I'd spend it. One day I'm going to stand before the Lord. Some of these days have been tough days serving God in the bus ministry and soul winning. And these days have been difficult days to do right. Some of you are here this morning in church. You didn't feel like being here and the circumstances of your life are not good, but you said, I need to be in God's house. I need to be faithful. One day, he's going to reward us. That's going to be a grand day. Because you see, I have nothing to give him except the rewards I could receive from him to lay back at his feet. The day of reward is coming. Mark 14, 25, the Bible says, Verily I say unto you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until that day that I drink it new in the kingdom of God. That day of reward is going to be a day of reunion. I look forward to it. And I ask you, have you had that day of redemption in your life? Have you had that day where you've dedicated your life to the will of God? 
certainly you don't want to experience the day of his return when there is a reckoning on earth. You want to go to heaven when the trumpet sounds. I remember being in the car with the president, President Trump, the legitimate one, but anyway. August 2019, we were, he had invited me to ride in his car, and we were going, we're on I-64 in Louisville, daytime. There wasn't a car on the road except that car, and the cars in front and behind the president's entourage. I said, Mr. President, I've never been on I-64 when there's no traffic. You would think that the rapture had taken place in Louisville. But I know it hasn't because, Mr. President, when the rapture takes place, I'm going to heaven. i never forget what he said. He was, he was sitting here and there was an armrest here and he stayed on the armrest more than he did in his chair. He patted me on the chest. He said, Preacher, he said, I'm going to heaven too. I received Christ as my Savior. You see, good people don't go to heaven and bad people go to hell. People who receive Christ as their Savior go to heaven. Stand with me this morning. If you've never had that day that you received Christ, you ought to make today that day. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If you're here this morning, you never received Christ as Savior. You ought to trust Him today. In just a moment, when He sings, you ought to leave your seat. There's men and ladies standing at the front. They'll take the Bible and show you how you can know for sure you're going to heaven. If you've been saved but haven't followed the Lord in believer's baptism as a profession of your faith and the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you ought to do that today. Perhaps you want to rededicate your life. Perhaps you want to become a member of this church. Whatever the decision is, I encourage you to make that, Heavenly Father. Thank you for that day. That day of redemption. That day of dedication, surrender. I look forward to that day of your return. I look forward to that day of reward. I look forward to that day of the reunion. I pray that not one person under the sound of my voice would be left behind in the reckoning of God against sin on this world. I pray for the lost to trust you today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As he sings.